Welcome to the Love Lab Podcast, a safe place to get real about sex. Whether you're a man, woman, single, or couple, this is the show for you. We are your hosts, Kevin Anthony and Celine Remy, and we are here to guide you to go from good to amazing in the bedroom and beyond. All right, welcome back to the Love Lab Podcast. This is episode 165, and it's titled, How to Get Your Partner to Do What You Want. Ooh, I think we've already triggered some people. What? You can't do that. You don't try to get your partner to do what you want. Well, 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 you may think so. I mean, you know so consciously they are their own person. Pretty much everyone still tries to get their partner to do what they themselves want, not always what the partner wants. Yeah, so, so hang in there because we're going to talk about how most people do it why what most people do does not work, and what you could do that's better, that would actually give you a better chance of getting what you want than the current strategies that you are most likely employing. (laughs) Yeah, and this whole show came from a conversation we were having yesterday with a friend, and we were discussing some of the differences between the masculine and feminine, and how women, we try to get stuff done, and the certain way we do it, and then uh, Kevin was kind of explaining what happens when hey, when you try to complain to get him to do things. And um, so we're going to dive into that, which I'm really excited because, again, these are generalities, but we see a lot of people, myself included, (laughs) in uh, some of these patterns. And I had to learn to not do it this way because I think most of us and our role models, our parents, uh, it's always like, don't do it this way, or we're going to tell you what not to do, or we're going to force you if it's your parents, they're forcing you to do what they want, and then you try to make them pay later for that as well. <laughs> yeah, so two women and myself, I think the ladies found it enlightening yesterday. Ooh, well, let's see if you can uh, do that again, Kevin. I will do my best. <laughs> okay, let's give a big uh, shout out to our sponsors today's Power and Mastery. So if you want to join the secret club of men who are great in bed, then check out Power and Mastery at powerandmastery.com. It is the most complete sexual mastery training for men, whether you want to have harder erections, last longer, or increase your sexual skills. There is something for you at powerandmastery.com. Okay, so we're going to get started by kind of talking about how do most people go about getting what they want. When we say what they want, what are we talking about? Well, it could be how to get your partner to clean up after themselves, or how to get them to take out the trash when it needs to go out, or how to get them to turn off the light switch that they never turn off, or how to you know, have them appreciate you or show up for you in the ways that you need, like how to give you more blowjobs, how to get more (laughs) sex. (laughs) Yeah. Well, it it could be any of those things. How to get help with the vacuuming, you know, you got it. (laughs) So everybody has needs. And when you're in a relationship and you are a partnership, then, you know, you're hoping that your partner will step in and help you with the things that need to happen in life or the things that you want or the needs that you have. And sometimes they do and sometimes they don't. And when they don't, we tend to employ strategies to try to get them to satisfy those needs that we have. So what are the top three strategies that people use? Number one, and Celine, you wrote it in all caps because it's that common and that awful. (laughs) 
complain. So there's this whole idea that in order to get what you want and your needs met, you just need to complain often enough and hard enough. Well, here's the truth. I don't know about you, but no matter how much I have complained in the past, it still did not get me where I wanted. And that's once I finally learned to not complain and do different things, which we will be teaching you all about in today's show, that I started to see results. So complaining is this place that we get into. And I think a lot of women, it's our default where it's you know, it's natural when women get together and they're like doing this whole thing of like, oh, and this happened and oh, my husband doesn't do that or oh, yeah, my hair's not good and no matter what I do, I can't lose weight. I mean, always like focusing on that negative and complaining that's how people do it. And they think if I do it really loud enough, maybe the person's going to hear I'm not happy and they're going to do something about it. You know, this one... Uh... Okay, I have a couple of things to say about this one. The first one is, I have seen so many women throughout my lifetime employ this strategy, and I have not once ever seen it work. Yet, I still continue to witness women doing this one. And, and it's not just women. I mean, sometimes men get into this one too. It's not necessarily their default, the complaining thing. Some men will, but that's not the one that they usually go to first. You know, it's not their favorite tool in the toolbox. Um, but I, I'm just amazed at how many people do this, and it absolutely doesn't work. In fact, in most cases, it gets you the opposite of what you want. And we'll talk about why these things don't work in a little bit. But just know that if you're employing the strategy of complaining in an attempt to get your needs met or get work done around the house, it's not going to work ever, ever. And all it's going to do is make your relationship worse. So don't do it. So don't do it. Number two, people try to coerce each other into Ah, them doing what they want. Yeah, so... This one may seem similar to number three, but I want to make a distinction between the two. So when we talk about coercing, this is where, well, if you do this for me, I'll do that for you. Ooh. So you start to use sex also as a bartering tool well, often. Sex is one possible thing, but it's like, well, you know, I really need you to take out the trash and you never do it on time. And sometimes you miss and then you don't pick it up and then blah, blah, blah. And then eventually at some point you go, look, if you could just remember to take out the trash, I'll do such and such for you. Or I'll make sure I do this other thing. Or remember how you really wanted to go to that event with your friends who I don't even like and don't even want to spend time with. But if you could just do this thing for me, I will then go with you to the whatever, right? There's a million examples you could create of coercion where you're you know, you're bribing them, you're coercing them, you're just like, you're trying somehow to give them something so that they'll do what you want to do. There's, again, a whole bunch of problems with that that we can talk about, but it's never sustainable, and it's never addressing the root issue of the problem. So it's, you know, I mean, if you have kids, you know this doesn't work, right? You've probably tried this a million times with your kids. If you just eat the vegetables, then you can have such and such, right? And you think that if you tell them they can have ice cream, 
if they just eat their vegetables, that the next dinner, they're just going to eat their vegetables so that they can get the ice cream. No, it's the same fight every fucking night, right? Because the coercion doesn't really work. It's funny because when you were describing the behavior, I was thinking it sounds so childish. Like it feels like it's not very grown up. <laughs> well, it's not, but uh, at the risk of alienating most of our audience, I just have to drop a truth bomb here and say that most adults emotionally act like children. They just do. And, and you know, I'm not just saying this to, to you know, dump on people and say, ah, oh, you're a bunch of idiots or anything like that. But, you know, if you study psychology, psychology, like mainstream psychology will tell you that most people are stuck somewhere between about five and seven to eight years old in their emotional maturity in the way that they handle situations. So it, it, it is a very relevant observation that you just made that it sounds childish because it is childish. It's the way... See, you have to understand children uh, to really understand why it's childish and why children do this. Children do not have the intellect developed yet that adults have. Children do not have the vocabulary that adults have yet. Children do not have the experience that adults have yet. And especially when they're very young and they can't even talk yet, they have no other way to get their needs met than to manipulate you. That, and I'm not trying to make, I'm not trying to say kids are bad or mean or evil or anything like that. Oh, they manipulate. I'm just telling you, it's the only tool in their toolbox to get what they want, right? So when they want to eat because they're hungry, they don't just give you a, a sign language sign that says, I'm hungry, feed me. What do they do? They cry like hell, like, like, like someone's torturing them, right? That's to get your damn attention so that you'll do what they need you to do. That is actually a manipulation. And you'll see this very often, right? When if you've ever been a parent, you've, you've probably seen this a thousand times, more than a thousand times. You might see it 10 times in one day. But that is the child's doing something and they trip and they fall down and they hit the ground. They don't cry immediately. They look at you first to see how you react. And if you have a big reaction, you go, oh my God, wow. Then all of a sudden, boom, here come the screams and the cries, right? Now, if, if it really, really was a problem and really hurt, they would have cried instantly. And as a parent, you learn to know the difference, right? You know the ones when they crash and burn and it's just instant tears. They don't even look at you and they just bawl it. You know they're hurting. But when they give you that, that momentary pause first, you know what they want is your attention. And they're manipulating you through tears in order to get attention because they don't have any other... They can't sit there and go... Uh, that really hurt and I really don't feel good and, 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 and right now I'm really sad that I fell or whatever and I really just need you to give me some attention. They can't do that, so they cry, right? So I don't want to go too far down the, the children rabbit hole here, but the idea is your observation, Celine, was absolutely correct that it is very much a childish behavior. So you kind of started to talk about number three, which was manipulation. And, and I think number two and three between coercion and manipulation, they're somewhat similar and yet they are a little bit different. I also think that in the manipulation, sometimes it's even more uh, calculated. Well, so that's the difference, right? So in coercion, it's open and upfront. If you do this, I'll I do, do this, that. right? 
That's one example of coercion. In manipulation, you are scheming behind their back. Well, okay, here's what I'm going to (laughs) do. He never takes the damn trash out, right? And I'm really getting tired of this. So I'm purposely going to leave a bag of trash, like, right at the bottom of the stairs, you know, so that when he comes down, he has no choice but to trip over, he'll probably knock it over, and he'll get really angry and frustrated, and that'll motivate him to finally take out the damn trash, right? That kind of stuff, that manipulation where behind the scenes you're working to try to get what you want without being upfront with your partner. So let's talk about why these um, behaviors and ways of acting doesn't work. In case you've been wondering if any of these was helpful or would work, they don't. So number one, motivation from negativity doesn't work. There's no such thing as constructive criticism, by the way. It's it's a myth. A criticism is a criticism. Negativity is negativity. And there's no way to spin it around to make it better. Now, you can still express things when you're not happy and satisfied, but you just have to do it differently than through the uh, negative or complaining criticism route. Yeah, well, when it comes to criticism, you can call it constructive criticism, but the brain only hears criticism. The brain doesn't distinguish between constructive criticism and like just criticism because you're an ass, right? Like the the brain just hears criticism. And in case you don't believe us, just remember how you go for a day and you get 10 compliments and then there's one person who says something slightly mean to you. What do you remember? The only one thing that somebody told you that was mean and you forgot all of your 10 really positive things. Yeah, and they, they've done so many studies uh, when it comes to children and teaching them uh, about, you know, reinforcing behaviors through negativity and punishment versus reward. And, you know, I didn't bother actually because it wasn't really the focus of this episode, but I didn't bother pulling up any of that research, but I have read it in the past. It's pretty fascinating. And while motivation through negativity will get you some of what you want, it'll take you so far down the path, it ultimately can't take you all the way. And, and doing motivation through positivity and reinforcement and, and, um, uh, appreciation and that sort of thing actually can take you a lot further. And they've, they've proven this through studies. Number two, it creates defensiveness. So when you feel like somebody's attacking you, most of the time you are going to react by closing down your heart, closing down and being defensive. And that does not foster good communication and intimacy and the ability to have your needs met because you both triggered and closed down. Yeah, absolutely. This is this is where like complaining is the one that triggers this the most. The second you start to complain, the other person immediately goes into defense mode. So now you got someone complaining and you got someone defending. Do you think that's going to foster clear and accurate communication? Nope. No. Nope. Never does. <laughs> So it's important to bring up the concept too of ants. <laughs> so ants, I believe it was coined by um, Daniel Amen, the man who wrote Change Your Brain, something like this book on uh, rewiring your brain. And it stands for automatic negative thoughts. And what happens is most of us, we have about anywhere between 50 to 70,000 thoughts a day. Those thoughts, most of them are repetitive and those are most of them not really conscious. They say that by the time you're 35, is it like 80% of your thoughts and, and your actions are kind of in um, 
like cruise control mode yeah. where it's just like acquired things and you're not thinking it through you're again. You're just repeating the same old patterns on autopilot. So when you have these negative thoughts, they start to change your brain chemistry and it can affect your brain. It will change you on a cellular level, on the DNA level, on a hormonal level because of the chemistry in your brain and those negative thoughts automatic you know that you don't think about or ways that you spin and spin things around uh, will affect you negatively yeah and well, basically what you're doing is programming a negative response into your into your system right so that you don't even have control over it like it just happens like this thing happens and then boom you go into this negative reaction also, here's another thing that can come up from these behaviors. It creates resentment. And unfortunately, that's a place that most couples who are unhappy find themselves in. They have years and years of resentment piled, shoved under the rug, and still always right there. You know, all you have to do, you don't even have to lift the rug anymore. It's so high that you see it all the time, but you pretend it's not there. And uh, that is really it's i was it's kind of like a super it's it's nasty it's a nasty behavior that affects everything and everyone yeah we're going to talk about a, a scenario and how men and women tend to react in such a scenario in just a little bit and that whole resentment piece is going to be big in that so ultimately, these behaviors are not sustainable. It's not something that you can do in the long run. So you can't just keep doing that because it won't work and it will create too much resentment, disappointment, anger, and all of these like bitterness that will rot your relationship from the inside out. Yeah, I mean, like, if you see any relationship where they're chronically and habitually employing one of those three um, methods that we talked about for getting what they want, you're going to see a very unhappy relationship. They just are. They always are. You will never find a successful, thriving relationship that uses those as the primary, as one of the primary ways that they get their, their needs met. Well, and ultimately it breeds dishonesty into your relationship and to mm -hmm. yourself because you are hiding some things really you're not able to express what you want you're not asking clearly you might be holding back who you are uh, and that's not being all out and authentic yeah well what what happens is this is you didn't do what they wanted you to do you know you didn't do what they wanted you to do and now you know that there's going to be consequences to that the complaining's going to come in the bitching's going to come in right you don't want to deal with that because that sucks right <laughs> So what are you going to do? You're going to think of every way you can try to get out of it, minimize it, make up an excuse for it. I know she's pissed that I didn't take out the trash, but okay, what can I say? Um, you know, my friend called and he was in a dire situation and he absolutely needed, you know, some blah, 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 whatever you create some bullshit excuse, right? That's just a simple example, but there's lots of little, little white lies and little half-truths and little manipulations that you will start to employ to try to avoid the negative consequences of the situation. That does not sound like fun. All right, before we dive into some of the fun things and discussions between how women do it, how men do it, how it affects each other, um, let's 
do a little break for our sponsor and we have a special invitation to all the couples who are listening to today's show. If you find yourself stuck in a rut and you feel like you are going through the daily motion instead of connecting the way you used to, maybe you're even tired of having stale mechanical sex that lacks spontaneity and fun and you don't want to live a life of average, then Kevin and I would like to invite you to join a highly sexed power couple platinum program. If you give us 90 days, we will help you bring the passion back between the sheets and be synced up sexually so that you can thrive with more purpose and passion in life. If you go to celineremy.com forward slash passion, you can read more about this life-changing experience and ex- for you and your partner. Yeah, and if you do any of these things... We will help you break it. (laughs) So let's talk a little bit how she does it. So I'm going to do the female part. All right. So the the female has a need that she wants met. There's something that she wants him to do. So most of us, one thing for sure is the masculine is very single focused and he focuses on one thing at a time. We are having what's called diffuse awareness where we can see multiple things happening at once and we can juggle multiple things. Now, neither one of them is better. They just are different wirings and different things to approach life. What that means is that for us, usually we always have our awareness on where we like, we know that there's dinner to be made and there's, uh, I don't know, the kitchen needs to be swept and the laundry is there. And maybe you haven't had sex in two weeks. Like we can have all of these things happening at the same time in our brain and aware of that. I feel so sorry for you sometimes. (laughs) (laughs) That's just way too much to try and juggle in any one moment. (laughs) So when that happens, we tend to feel overwhelmed. We tend to feel tired. There's also often a part where women think that nobody gets it done the way they do. So if things need to happen right, then I'm just going to have to do it my way, you know, because he's never doing it the, the proper way anyway. So usually we tend to reach a point where we are over our heads in terms of what we can do and the time we have and our energy level. So the solution that usually happens is once a woman reaches that point, she will start to complain, to nag, to bitch, uh, to just try to see like, If he sees how unhappy I am, then he's obviously going to do something different because he can see I'm unhappy and that sucks. Yes, but there are some problems with this strategy. First of all, we may not have any idea why you are so unhappy. Second of all, and this is this one is actually pretty pretty darn common, which is the man is actually genuinely trying. He may not be doing what she actually wants, but he thinks like he's doing his best. He thinks he's doing what needs to happen. And then when she comes out with the nagging and the bitching and the complaining, he starts to get very resentful because he's like, but I'm working so hard. I'm doing all this stuff. I'm really trying here. And she's not recognizing it. And she's just complaining, and I feel unseen, unappreciated, right? So 
this is a, this is the thing that I think that a lot of women don't realize is like men in general, uh, you know, this is a generality, but men in general do actually want to make their women happy. We like to be the knight in shining armor. We like to save the day by fixing the thing or solving the problem because that's who we are. In general, again, in general, and you know, if you uh, might be a female, but you identify as a male and masculine energy, then this probably applies to you also. But in general, masculinity is problem solver. Fix stuff, build stuff, solve problems. That's, that's generally what we do. And we like to do that. So anything that a woman can do to help us do that job makes us happy. Like giving us the right information, like being very clear with us. I don't want to go too much into it because we're getting into what you should do. But the idea is that if you make it easier for him to do that, he will most likely do that and you will most likely get what you want. So what happens when I complain because I'm not getting the help and support that I want and need from you? Like, what's your reaction? So as a woman, I'm thinking, if I complain hard enough, he's going to change. And usually with other women, that's how we communicate. If we complain, then girlfriends are like, oh yeah, then we should change it because she's not happy. And that's how it works between the females. Uh, but doesn't seem to work in the male-female relationship. Complaining never works. Never, ever, under any circumstances does complaining work. Uh, for a couple of reasons. If we didn't do what you wanted us to do. And let's just say because we were being lazy and we just preferred to sit on the couch and watch the TV and we just didn't do it. Well, the complaining doesn't work in that case because now we know we didn't do what we should have done and we kind of feel bad about it to begin with and you're just making it worse. But let's just say that the scenario we already talked about happened, which is you thought you actually did what she wanted and you put in the effort And now she's still complaining and now you have resentment because you're like, but I, I did exactly what she, like, why didn't she, if that's what she really wanted, why didn't she just tell me? I would have been happy to do it if I just known. Now she's yelling at me and bitching at me. And I like, really, like, I, I was really trying my hardest. So that's another possibility. Uh, and there's one more that I was thinking about too. Uh, hold on, hold on, hold on. Of getting ahead of myself, <laughs> it was we didn't do it and we know we didn't do it. The other one is um, we tried our best to do it and that just for whatever reason it wasn't what she wanted. Oh, the other one was this. Um, we wanted to do it, but we had so many other things happening and so many other responsibilities that it was just too much for us to handle. And this is a common one also. Uh, in today's modern world. You know, the way this tends to show up is, you know, the woman might the woman might normally do, say, a lot of the cleaning or a lot of the cooking, and those are things that maybe are, are her uh, roles that she tends to take on. And I know I'm being stereotypical here. It's just an example, so calm the fuck down. <laughs> and, you know, maybe she just overwhelmed because something's going on with the kids or her job got particularly busy or she had health issues or whatever it was and she wasn't able to do some of those things so now she's expecting you as the man to step up and pitch in and do some of those things now over here as the guy you're like hey 
I get it. I understand she can't do it all. And neither can I because I'm working all day long. I'm stressed out. I got no nothing left in the tank, right? And so she's bitching and complaining because I'm not stepping up and pitching in. And really the only reason that is is because I'm tapped out. I got nothing left. So when we were putting the show notes together, I was trying to think about what are some of the behaviors that are more typically feminine and, and ones that are more masculine. And I wasn't quite sure that... Um, how it's going to show up because I was asking Kevin I was like hey how do you do it because I know as a woman we will complain we'll nag we'll bitch sometimes we'll even be uh, passive aggressive or we'll do like withholding of sex like these are behavior when I was thinking about it for the masculine if he wants her to do something I was thinking that some of the things I've seen happen is the cold shoulder treatment, which like, if I don't talk to you, then, you know, you should know something's wrong. (laughs) And I think also the passive aggressiveness that does happen uh, independently of uh, the gender. Yeah. You know, from from a guy's point of view, we don't generally go to the cold shoulder thing unless we've asked a couple of times and we've just, it's fallen on deaf ears, as they say, like we get nothing back. So then sometimes guys will just be like, forget it, you know. Yeah, but what's interesting is then the more cold shoulder, like the forget it, then she doesn't feel seen and appreciated. And that's like the biggest thing for a woman. I'm not saying this is a good strategy. <laughs> I'm just saying that sometimes this is, this so, is what happens so and why. So then you're stuck in this cycle because the less attention and appreciation you give her, then the more she's going to try to poke at you in whatever way to get a reaction. And oh, that's yeah. where a lot of people are stuck in this oh, type of behavior. yeah. Seen that dynamic many, many, many times. Yep. The harder she pokes, the more quiet he becomes and until at some point he breaks and then there's screaming. <laughs> so how do you, what should you do instead? If you find yourself stuck in some of these dynamics, if you recognize yourself, because unless you've done work, uh, pretty much all of us had to go through learning to unlearn those bad habits that we've learned and change ourselves. I know that it's possible because I was definitely much more of a complaining or nagging or bitching just because I was the role models I had until I changed and then everything else changed in my life and the quality of the man and the quality of my relationship and all of this, everything changed. So I've done it, so you can do it. (laughs) That's the good news, but it will require some effort. So number one, you're going to have to be honest with yourself that there's a problem that always starts with awareness because unless you're aware of that you can't change that but let's look at our steps so the first thing to do is to instead of complaining start to explain how or why the change of behavior would affect you in a positive way and so rather than saying you didn't take out the, the dishwasher or the, or the trash, I know there are, are simple examples that we take. It's rather say, okay, I, had, I have a super busy day and I need some help because I am exhausted and there's a few things that um, still need to be done in the house. Here are three chores that we haven't finished. Um, you know, can you help me with that? Or which one would you like to do? <laughs> well, and I would actually take it a step further because that honestly, a lot of times is not quite enough to okay. motivate us. Ooh. So 
So what you need to do in that particular situation is not just say, I'm exhausted and, you know, I need you to help. Because he might be over there going, I'm exhausted too. Fuck it, I'm exhausted too. Like, whatever, you know? <laughs> Tell me something new. <laughs> right, right, exactly. So, so I think an even better way to take it to the next level would be, you know, and as it, as it says here, affect you in a positive way. So it would be like, I'm really exhausted and all this stuff needs to still happen. But if you were able to help me with a few of these things around the house, then I could de-stress faster and easier. And then I could really show up for you. I could maybe give you a massage. And I'm not saying this is not getting into the coercion where if you do this, I'll do that. But, but, but just letting him know that you know, if you could just get a little help that you'd be able to de-stress and when you are less stressed, you can really show up in positive ways in the relationship. Yeah, like you're more horny and you want more sex. Ding yeah, ding. but again, not from a, not from a, not from a, if you do this, then I'll have sex with you. It's a, if you do this and I have the downtime to relax, as soon as my stress level comes down, I've noticed that my horny level goes up. And I would really love to be able to show up for you in that way in this relationship, but I can't do it when I'm always exhausted. And I love this because, as you said, it's a fine line between the coercion and being able to express yourself like this. Again, it's not having any attachment to the outcome. And it's also about being just clear about your needs. But the other part that's important is that if he does help, do not feel your day with other task. There is something about your to-do list that will always, always be there. You, you never come to a place of everything is done. So you just have to learn to live with things. Yeah, well, that's important, right? Because if, if he does do those things and then you fill the rest of your time with other things <laughs> and you're still exhausted, he's going to go, but, but, but. but the, the deal didn't but, work. Right. Exactly. So that, that takes us to number two, which is, to be straightforward with your requests. So I'll give you another example. She needs help around the house. It's not good to say, look, I'm just, I'm, I'm overwhelmed. I'm stressed. I need you to help more around the house. You never help me. <laughs> well, well, what does help more around the house mean? Mm. Does that mean she wants you to clean the entire house? Does that mean she wants you to start doing some of the cooking? Or does that mean she simply needs you to take the trash out? Like, what really does that mean? And the problem is, is if you leave it vague and open like that, then he's going to create his own interpretation of what he thinks that means. <laughs> Which can be very disappointing because it might not be at all what you had in mind. Right, but now he thinks he's done it and you're pissed off because he hasn't done it. And then we get back into that circle of resentment and complaining and resentment and complaining. So right, step number three then is to communicate clearly what it is that you want. And that's what we were starting to describe. And having clear, concise, direct is the best way to communicate with a man, by the way. So always think clear, concise, direct if you want to have better results. Absolutely. And honestly, you know... <laughs> A lot of the scenarios we're talking about here are how does the woman get the man to do something around the house? But those are just a few examples. They're just easy ones that most people can identify with. It really goes both ways. It absolutely goes both ways. And so, you know, if a man uh, is trying to get his needs met and having a woman do the things that he wants, again, the same thing. Don't complain. Let her know 
how this would positively affect you and how she may also benefit from it. Be straightforward with what it is that you want from her and communicate it very, very clearly. So there's the straightforward, which is the, instead of beating around the bush, going, ah, you know, there's just, there's something going on. Just come out and say, look, I have this need that needs to be met and it's not being met. And then you want to communicate super clearly about what that need is, what things the other person could do to meet that need, right? Don't just say, well, I have a need that's not met. Okay, great. Like, you want to be really clear. Okay, here's what would work for me. Uh, The other thing to remember is your partner doesn't have to be the one to fulfill the need. Sometimes we expect our partners to fulfill all of our needs. Like you've signed up to be on together this adventure. And so they have to fulfill all of our needs. But sometimes the communication could just be around, how do we get to me getting what I need and want? Like, I'm, I don't want to force you into that. You know, maybe it's like, like I'm not going to ask you to massage me every week. So maybe, hey, we could get a, I don't know, we get a, a membership at this place and we get a free massage with it and you be can creative. do that. <laughs> Hire the young kid across the street to take your trash out for you. Yes. You know, you don't have to be the one to do it, but you just have to come up with creative solutions that work for everyone. Absolutely. But I thought it was an important one to remember that if you come without having expectation that it's your partner that needs to do it or do it in a certain way, then you can have much better solutions. Yeah. And I think that leads us right into the next one on the list, which is to be honest about your part in the issue or situation. Because too often it's all about they're not doing this or he didn't do that or she didn't do that, right? You need to be really honest about how are you showing up in this dynamic that is either inspiring or demotivating them from doing what it is that you want. And that one is really hard for people to do. But I love that you brought the term inspiring because that leads to our next step, which is be sure to appreciate the areas where the person is doing a good job. And this is what inspiration is all about. It's focusing on the appreciation on all the things that are working, because even if there are a lot of things that uh, you guys are struggling with, there are areas that are working and you need to start to switch things around. Happy people have a balance where they have an 80% positive and 20% negative. Unhappy Happy people tend to be the opposite, so 80 negative and 20 positive. So you need to switch that around in your brain. Remember, we talked about the ants, the automatic uh, automatic negative um, thoughts. You need to stop when you have a channel that's the crappy channel uh, in your minds. You just need to change the channel onto something more positive and redirect until it becomes natural. And if you start, like, I think... In my relationships, I've seen the growth that happens through appreciation versus uh, complaint is so, so different. And what happens when you focus on the positive is everybody gets happier and feels happier too. Yeah. And I want to say, you know, you're the one that in our relationship introduced the appreciation game, which is something that we teach all of our couples. And I think it's fantastic. It's had such a positive benefit in our relationship. We put it out there on podcasts and videos. We teach it to our clients. And what's really cool now is I'm starting to see other people out there teaching it as well. And that's great. I mean, we don't own it. I'm sure somebody invented it before we did too. But I'm just really 
excited to see other people out there passing this along because it, it is such a powerful tool. And in case you haven't heard it, uh, the appreciation game, just every day share with each other free things that you love about each other and you don't have to be stuck at free. Uh, sometimes you can be greedy like me and ask for seven <laughs> and anything in between, but at least do free and do those every day. And it could be anytime during the day or it could be just before you fall asleep if you sleep together because it's a really nice way to... Uh, focus on something positive because usually the last thoughts we have before we fall asleep is what we're going to think about during the night so if you focus on the positive things about your partner you're going to think happy things and happy thoughts and dreams yeah you've even asked for a million a few times here and there obviously yeah. I but know then you're I joking settled, <laughs> then I, I settled for a thousand and then I said okay I'll take ten <laughs> you know you're going to like to, you can't just go straight with ten it'd be too much but if you go like from a, a, a million to right. ten you go like I can do ten it's like it's like bargaining, right? You always set the price high and then you make it sound like they're like stealing your firstborn child, you know, when they give you their offer and then you meet somewhere in the middle. Absolutely. <laughs> well, let's talk about our last step here. Uh, realize that many times people are doing the best they can, even if it's not up to your standards. And so especially when you're in a relationship, like assume the best from your partner like know that that's they're doing their best and our best will vary depending on on our health on our energy on times we are in life you know and if you assume they did their best then you can have more compassion absolutely and you know we're not we're not saying to to just always say oh they they must have you know because sometimes people are lazy sometimes people don't keep their word and they don't do stuff but a lot of the time, like this is what we observe in, in relationships when we're working with people, is that most of the time, they actually genuinely are doing their best. They're trying. And, you know, from our point of view, sometimes as, as coaches and teachers, we're sitting there going, whew, that's really not very good. But we can at least say they're trying. And there is absolutely something to be said for in good faith, trying. Like you're doing the best you can with what you have, you know, and there's always room for improvement. So you keep working on it, you keep practicing. But if you can realize that, if you can really take a step back from the triggers of the situation and realize he or she is doing the best they can with where they're at at this point in their life, you can have a little bit more compassion. You will maybe get triggered less. Right? And you can work more as a team to try to improve both of you. So if there's only two things you're taking away is stop complaining, bitching, moaning and negativity. As a matter of fact, make a commitment to not do it for 30, 60 days and stick to that, not share that with your partner. And then introduce the appreciation game of at least three things that you love and appreciate about one another as a daily practice. If you do this, it will change your relationship. Yeah, and I'm going to refer you back to the interview we did with John Gray as well, because if you want some more really great examples and tips on how to do some of this, go back and listen to that episode. It was packed full of good advice on how to do a lot of what we just talked about. So please go back and listen to that one. Episode 156, How to Cope with Stress in Relationships with Dr. John Gray. Yeah. And you know, titles are, how do you really encapsulate some of the ideas that we covered in there in one title? 
you know, it's not just about dealing with stress. It's about everything that we've talked about so far and then some. So it's worth listening to. All right, everybody. That's all the time we have for this episode. And we will see you next week. We hope you like this episode of the Love Lab podcast. If you enjoy this show, subscribe, leave us a review, and share it with your friends. And for more free, exclusive content, join us in the Passion Vault at CelineRemy.com forward slash vault. That's C-E-L-I-N-E-R-E-M-Y dot com forward slash vault. Thanks for listening. And remember, you're amazing. <laughs>